It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 608 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I am Walter Reeves, and I am here at the 40th annual, 40th annual Spring Atlanta Home Show. Unbelievable. It's been long that been going on that long. I think I've been here for at least 20 of them. But we're here at the Cobb Galleria this morning. We'll be here till 9 o'clock with the Lawn and Garden Show. Dave Baker, of course, will follow with the Home Fix-It Show. But here's the deal. If you get here before 9 a.m. this morning... You get into the whole home show for free when the gates open at 10. So what a deal. Make your plans this morning. Have a quick breakfast at home. And then head on down to the Cobb Galleria. Be here before 9. Get into the home show for free when it opens at 10. I was here yesterday to speak about planting perfectly. I went over all the ways to plant flowers, to plant sod, to plant seed in the lawn, how to plant shrubs correctly, how to plant trees correctly. And answered questions for about 20 or 25 minutes and i had the greatest time and then i wandered around the show it is just unbelievable how nice how friendly and how useful some of the things are that you see at the uh, at the home shows we have a spring home show of course we have a fall home show we have the north atlanta expo is coming up earlier in the spring that we were that are there already one of the things you want to see when you come here is the automatic robotic lawnmower demonstration Exactly. If you want to avoid the toil and sweat and tears sometimes of mowing your lawn during the summertime, you want somebody else or something else to do it, come see the robotic lawnmower. I'll show you how to do it. I've had one before as a demonstration unit. It is the most wonderful thing in the world to wake up in the morning and look out the window and see the little lawnmower is going around and around and around in your lawn, mowing your grass taking care of everything, and then it just sort of automatically goes to its little charging station and waits there until it thinks it needs to get out and mow some more. It mows some more. Morning, noon, night, the lawnmower's always going out there. And if you want to come see that, you can here at the 40th Annual Home Show at the Cobb Galleria. Of course, our number, 404-872-0750, if you want to call in and can't get here to the Galleria this morning. But, of course, you'll always be welcome to call, 404-872-0750. One of the things I was thinking about as I drove in this morning is preparing for, not doing, but preparing for vegetable gardening this spring. And I was thinking about some of the things that can be done right now just to get ready. If you have a bed that you used last year, then fine, that's great. You've already got your soil, hopefully, sort of good soil, good, nice, well-drained, organic, brown, loamy soil in your beds. That's great. If you have an idea of where you want to put a new bed, then this is a great time to get started with that. One of the things you can do now when the temperatures are sort of chilly outside is to dig because many of the insects that are problems for us during the summertime overwinter in the soil. And if you dig a little bit right now when it's cold, then they get frozen. They get exposed to the air. They get exposed to cold temperatures and frost. And so you kill a bunch of them just by digging the area where you're going to plant this coming year, whether an old bed or a new bed, either one. It doesn't really, really matter. It does help to kill some of the insects. If you have a new bed, of course, this is the time to start thinking about how am I going to make the soil there rich? How am I going to make it good for my plants? You can add organic matter if you think it's got a lot of clay in it. You can add some sand to help make it drain a little bit faster. 
Um, there are lots of things you can do to test the soil. You get a soil test done by the local extension office and directions for that. If you want to do it, for, it would not be a phone number. It would be a uh, website, georgiasoiltest.com. If you go there, it will give you directions on how to ask for your free soil test kit and the fees for actually having the soil test done. And you can get a soil test back within probably five days, I think. So there's plenty of time to get that done now. Another thing we can do is to make sure there are no weeds growing around the beds. Even though you have a bed now that you already had for a couple of years, and even though you may have a, a new bed that you're preparing now, make sure there are no weeds growing around it. Because weeds are another place where insects harbor, and sometimes diseases too, harbor in the stems and leaves and hollow places of those plants. And so if you get rid of all the weeds, clear the area around your vegetable beds, you'll be way far ahead of the game. Those are my hints about vegetable gardening. Again, our phone number 404-872-0750. Looking forward to talking to Richard in just a minute about his emerald zoysia. But first, we go down to Griffin with our friend Nicole in Griffin, GA. Let me get her button right here. Where is it? I've lost my arrow. There she is, Nicole. Hey, good morning. Well, I'm not hearing Nicole. Are you there, Nicole? Mr. Reed. There, Mr. Nicole. How are you? <laughs> Fine, and you? I'm well. Your fans, of course, were asking me, where was Nicole last weekend? I'm not going to ask you myself, but I'll just tell you that inquiring minds did ask about you because you weren't with us last week. Yeah, I had some time. I had to work. They called me at the last minute. How was it? And I'm too far away to call in the... Uh, yeah, yeah. I understand. The uh, so. busy in the traffic. But anyway, how you been? Been doing well. How about yourself? Fine, fine. Um you know, I've been doing that. Um, the second year, the bed get uh, the clay because there's a lot of iron in it. Yeah. If it's just town and town and town, you have to turn the because it's not easy to to uh, garden in the south. It is because our soil gets harder and harder, as you say. The clay just makes it harder and harder each year. If you don't turn it over, if you don't open it up a little bit every year, then the clay tends to compact. And grass, and, and not grass, but uh, vegetables certainly don't like to grow in compacted soil. The, uh, that's what I did this week. Um, the second year, it's, uh, the first year is always great because yeah. everything come up. The soil is really, <laughs> you know. But anyway, I was looking for my bumblebee. Where are they, Mr. Reed? Which bumblebees? The carpenter bees or the real bumblebees? The What's real one for? that go on blueberry and did just work, work, work. I haven't looked to see if I have any around my blueberries this year. I haven't looked to see. I know I've got the little bitty bees, the little ground bees that come out of my out of my lawn that live in those little mounds in the soil. I know I have a bunch of those, but I have not looked to see for the bumblebees. And for listeners who don't know quite the difference, bumblebees are a native bee, and they're just called bumblebees, but they're smaller and uh, shinier, I guess we'd say, than the uh, carpenter bees are. Carpenter bees are the ones, the big ones that fly around and buzz you a little bit when you're going out on the porch. But the uh, carpenter bees are are very common. The bumblebees, I don't know. I haven't seen them, Nicole. I only see a few, but I was thinking maybe it was too windy. Maybe the the uh, the temperature is not high enough because they usually come uh, always Easter Easter yeah. weekend. They always. I think, I, I think you could be right. Temperature always it, it drives what insects and weeds and plants do. If it's not warm enough, then they just hunker down and stay hibernating. And if it's warm, then they come out and do the job they're supposed to. So I think you're right. It's a little rainy and wet and chilly sort of for the last couple of weeks. And that could be why the bumblebees haven't come out yet. So if they don't come, who's going to do the work? 
<laughs> hopefully, if they don't come, which I don't think is a worry right now, but if they don't come, then all the native bees will come in and do some work for them. The little native bees, there are hundreds of different little tiny bees. You never see them, you never notice them anyway, because they're just so small, they don't sting, they're not aggressive. But they do a lot of the pollination that we think of honeybees doing all of it, but that's not true. The native bees do a great deal of pollination around Georgia. So the bumblebee then not from here? The, the carpenter bee is not from here, but the bumblebees are. Okay, okay. And one of the things you know I need to mention, Nicole, is that there are honeybee hobby groups, I guess we call them, people who like to get together and talk about their beehives and techniques of raising bees and things like that. And almost always in the spring they have classes. And so there's the South Metro Honeybee Association that's near you. There's the North Metro Honeybee folks. There's the Atlanta Honeybee Association. And so there are a lot of these associations that have classes. If people would like to learn how to manage honeybees and get the honey for their family, then they can go to a class and learn how to do it. And if you have a lot of them stuck in your wall, they come in. Uh, <laughs> and take them out. Home. Oh, that's a great point. If you have a swarm, and I know you've seen bee swarms before, Nicole, and I have too. A swarm is just a bunch of bees that have, ha that have a queen that's left an established group of bees in a hive or in a tree or somewhere. And this queen flies away, followed by about a million of her followers, well, 10,000 maybe, of her followers. And when she stops to rest, she'll rest on a limb or a clothesline sometimes. And there'll be all these bees flying very slowly around, looking around to uh, uh, see where she's going to go next. They're not aggressive at all, but all the beekeepers would love for you to call them first before you have any kind of insecticide or bee control method. Go call the beekeeper in, the, in your neighborhood and say, would you like to come and get a swarm for me? And they'll come with their hives and their boxes and everything, their smokers, and they'll take the swarm with them back to their home put them in a new hive, and then they get some honey. You get some honey, maybe, if you work it out right with them. And uh, that's one of the things we need to look forward to in the spring is bee swarms, which, again, are not very aggressive at all because they're all trying to follow the queen. They've got their mind on where's the queen going next. Let's follow her. In the market bulletin, you know, this little newspaper that we receive, there's a bunch of names and phone numbers that you can call, and they come and look at it. Don't do yeah. it yourself. And a lot of times the local beekeepers will call the Extension Office, the University of Georgia Extension Office in that county and say, put our name on the list. If someone does call about bee swarms, call me. As you say, call me first. Don't waste these bees because the beekeeper can use them to make honey and to pollinate their own garden. And we need them good grief. My dad, you know, was a beekeeper for oh, 30 or 40 years, I guess, and he loved his bees. He loved working with them. He loved talking about them. He loved taking them to the schools and showing the kids what the bees, you know, how they, uh, how they worked and they're visible. He had a glass hive that he'd take to the schools. He loved his bees, and beekeepers are passionate about them, and a lot of beekeepers are, are really doing, I think, a good service for us by holding bees and keeping them and pollinating the flowers and vegetables and things in other people's yards. Were you keeping them over the winter somewhere? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He would have bees, hives that would be dotted around Fayette County and Spalding County that he would have. 10 or 15 probably hives that he would keep and manage. He would go visit them once every couple of weeks to see if they're doing okay. And we would harvest honey every year. If you go in California, there's white bucks everywhere. Oh, yeah, 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 because I have to have bees over there to pollinate the almond groves over in California. Millions and millions of, of uh, honeybees and, of course, thousands, hundreds of thousands probably of hives which keep the bees in them. They are very precious because who's going to do their work? That's exactly right. Well, Nicole, I see the big hand on the clock on the wall, so I need to get out of here. But it's been wonderful to talk to you. Hope your bumblebees arrive soon. 
Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. 404-872-0750 is our number. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today will be pretty pleasant outside. High around 70 degrees in most parts of Atlanta. Low tonight, 55. Chance of showers during the day, so keep an eye on that. Tomorrow, almost the same. 61, though the high and 39 degrees overnight. The low, a little chillier tomorrow than it is today. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Richard has been waiting very patiently for us, and he's on the air right now. Hey, Richard, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. How can I help? Listen, I'm uh, getting ready to install a uh, zoysia uh, lawn in my front, and uh, it's not full sun, and I heard that emerald uh, zoysia requires less sun than maybe some of the other varieties. Mm -hmm. So I was planning on using emerald, and uh, then I just discovered on your website uh, that a Dr. Waltz has found that some sods sold as emerald are not necessarily emerald, and they green yeah. up at different times. Right. So now I'm getting nervous. Do you think that's a high risk that I'm not going to get the real thing? I think it's a great risk because Clint, Clint Waltz, my turf specialist from the University of Georgia, did a genetic testing of all these samples of emerald zoysia and found that very few of them had full emerald zoysia genes in them, the shade-tolerant genes, and a lot of them had mixtures of other things that were drifted away genetically or where some people got in the wrong grass and harvested it and sold it as emerald or whatever. I tell you, frankly, I think Xeon and Zenith both do really better in shade than emerald does, and I know you could find Xeon and Zenith on you know nurseries around Atlanta, so... Richard, I think I'd change your mind from Emerald to Xeon or Zenith. Xeon well, particularly was the exactly one they used. That's what I'm going to do. And then a quick follow-up question in preparing ahead. Uh, is it good to use a Roundup or pre-emergence? Uh, Roundup. Roundup disappears from the soil in seven days. Pre-emergence sometimes can linger in the soil and can cause roots not to expand sort of as long as you would like them to expand. So Roundup to kill the weeds, no pre-emergent until the zoysia is well-established after you've laid it. All right, I got to get out of here. 628 at News Talk WSB. Thanks for calling, Richard. Broadcasting live from the 40th Annual Spring Atlanta Home Show at the Cobb Galleria. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.36 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden, and I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing your gardening by asking me questions. If you have a question about your garden, 404-872-0750, or you can come visit me today at the 40th Annual Spring Atlanta Home Show at the Cobb Galleria. We'll be here this morning until 9 o'clock. and come and see us. My friend Norm Mitleider is here, the Japanese maple expert. If you have a question about Japanese maples, you can get his full undivided attention this morning at the Cobb Galleria, or you can call in, and if it's a question I can't answer, I'll bring Norm up, and he'll give you your answers about Japanese maples. 
Our number is 404-872-0750. And don't forget, if you get to the home show before 9 o'clock at the Cobb Galleria, you get into the full show for free when it opens up at 10 o'clock. Kim joins us from Toco Hill. Hey, Kim, good morning. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure, Kim. Um, Before I get to my real question, hello? Yeah, I'm here. I'm listening. Okay. Before I get to my real question, um, your bee conversation made me wonder, um, are beekeepers still having problems with colony collapse? The big industrial beekeepers are learning more and more what causes colony collapse, and it turns out, I think the research is showing pretty clearly now, that it's not one factor that causes it. Everybody at one time was saying, oh, it's insecticides, systemic insecticides, and then it was shown that that was not necessarily the case in several big colony collapse uh, situations. It turns out for a lot of the commercial people, it was simply their management. They didn't realize, hadn't thought about it, or really hadn't done anything to ameliorate their situation, but taking a thousand hives to the almond groves in California and feeding the bees nothing but almond nectar was bad for them. Just like you and me, if we ate McDonald's hamburgers every day for two or three years, we wouldn't be so healthy. Well, bees eating almond pollen for all day long and then they move into the other fields around the country, apple groves and other places too where they need bees. And if they eat the same pollen day in, day out, then the bees tend to not be as strong and as healthy and able to withstand diseases. And then they had the mite, the varora mite, turned out to be a big factor in most of these colony collapse situations too. So individual beekeepers, to answer your question, Kim, individual beekeepers have problems. They have to control the mites and they have to control the other insects that get into beehives. But if you manage your hive correctly and feed them a little bit during the wintertime, Beekeeping is fun. Beekeeping is fine. Beekeeping is successful. Okay, great. Well, thanks. Uh, my real question is, I'm get, getting ready. I'm putting in a new uh, bed for a cutting garden this year. Yeah, great. And when I, when I um, uh, prepare the, the soil, and I, I do want to add some sand, and mm-hmm. what kind of, you know, because, like, I go to big box stores, and they've got, like, play sand, and they've yeah. got another sand for putting between bricks and things. What's the best kind of sand to put in? The best that I have found is what I call paver leveling sand. It's real gritty. It's quartz right. and it's uh, real big sand grains. And so it, it's just bigger, mechanically bigger in the soil. Yeah. So drainage is faster over that. There's a product called granite dust that is uh, sometimes sold at um, landscape material places where you get mulch and hay and things like that, the big yards. And granite dust does fine too, but big gritty particles is what you want, not the play sand. Play sand is very, very fine and does not do much to open up the soil like the big gritty particles do. Does granite dust come in like bags or do I have to get like a truckload delivered? Uh, I think you borrow your friend's truck and go out there and say, uh, <clears throat> we need a scoop of that granite dust from the back of my truck here. Okay. It doesn't come in bags, no. Sadly, okay. I wish it did. Do you know um, how how much like i've got it's a 10 by 20 plot i'm going to do how much sand should i put in there my general recommendation is somewhere around an inch layer an inch thick layer over the whole thing dug in 10 inches that should open things up pretty well and adding organic matter in there too to keep the organic uh, percentage pretty high so you can do i think pretty well with a layer a couple inches thick with organic matter an inch of sand, dig it in 10 inches deep, those flowers will be so happy, Kim. Great, great. Well, yeah, no, I'm, I always put organic matter in, and I've put sand in before, but I've never really paid attention to what yeah. kind it is, and I was thinking yeah. about gritty. that. Yeah, gritty. Gritty sand is what you want. 
text me. I'm going to tell it in. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Hey, Kim, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. We'll see you soon. It's Colton's turn. Colton is in Cartersville. Our number, by the way, 404-872-0750. Good morning, Colton. Good morning. How can I help, Um, friend? I just bought my first house, and there's these rose bushes out front, and they don't look like they're all that healthy. And I know nothing about roses. Um, I know I'm supposed to fertilize them and prune them. Uh, what kind of fertilizer would you recommend? When wouldn't you recommend that I fertilize? And yeah. exactly what should I prune and how far back should I prune? You know, I'm, other years I would have said go ahead and prune them now, but my neighbor's roses are all full of flower buds right now, and I hate to miss those flowers. So, Colson, I'm going to say, unless you have some overriding reason you think you need to prune because they're next to the driveway or next to a sidewalk, you just have to get back and forth with your car or yourself into the house, I would say wait until after you enjoy the first flush of blooms this year and then do your severe pruning after that. So you can. Um, they, actually, they actually already have uh, a few blooms on them. All right, so don't, don't miss that. Don't, don't, heart, don't break your heart with uh, cutting all those flowers off. So wait until after everything's pretty well faded. That'll be two, maybe weeks from now, three possibly. And do your severe pruning then. They'll still just be in, what, April or early May. So you've got plenty of time to prune those roses and make them a little bit better shaped and opened up in the middle like you ought to do. Okay. And, and for uh, fertilizer, the, uh, you could use one of the fast-release 10, 10, 10 type things, but there's a product called Rose Tone or Holly Tone. They're all tone names. Flower Tone is another brand name uh, that Espoma makes, and you can find them at Pike. And so Rose Tone at Pike would be what I would use. Uh, is there a certain time I'm supposed to fertilize them or just once a year, like an early spring like now or if you really like your roses, if you really like having flowers pretty continuously on those, and I'm not sure which kind of rose you have, so do you think yours are possibly knockout roses, or do you know, Colton? I, I have no idea. None well, whatsoever. It's likely, because there have been so many millions of knockout roses planted in the last 10 or 15 years. It's likely that you have a knockout rose, which bloom pretty continuously throughout the year until the frost. If it is that, then regular fertilizing will make them happy. And so use the rose stone two, maybe even three times during the year. And each time you fertilize, about two weeks after that, you'll see this flush of growth, making new leaves. And leaves is what feeds the buds, and the buds make the flowers, and that's what Colton wants. So the flush of growth is what you're looking for with the application of fertilizer two, maybe three times. If it turns out these are not knockout roses, they'll really have pretty leaves on them, but they won't have many flowers on them. But you'll find out, I think, pretty quickly whether yours are continuously blooming knockouts or whether there's some other uh, variety that doesn't bloom but once or twice in a year. Okay. Uh, I appreciate it. All right, Colton, great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, Bye. All right, man. 404-872-0750 is the number to take Colton's place. we got Diane in Woodstock who joins us. Hey, Diane, good morning. Hi, how are you, Walter? You know, you could come see me today. I'll be over at the Autumn Hill Nursery at 11 o'clock. Well, Walter, I was there at my Pikes a couple weeks ago when you were there at my Woodstock Pikes. Cool, cool, um, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I'm the one that had the picture of the white Japanese maple. Yeah, you did. Tell me what goes on. What did you find out? Anything more, Diane? No, I didn't. I'm sorry, but it was a beautiful picture. It was taken up in Seattle, Washington. I went to visit our grandson, and, and there was this beautiful maple, and I thought, oh, my heavens, <laughs> it was wonderful. 
Let me get Norm up here. Norm, come up here and sit by the microphone and talk to me about white Japanese maples. Dan, yes. when we were at the Woodstock Pike Nursery, she right. had a picture of a Japanese maple whose leaves were almost completely white, Norm. I mean, almost white. Were some of the leaves on there, they were a different color too, Dan, right? Yes, some of them were a little light green. Okay, so you had some that were light green, some that were pretty, pretty, pretty white. And what percentage of the tree was white? What percentage of the tree was the uh, light green? Maybe 5%. Was which? Was green. Was green. The rest of them were white leaves on it. Yeah, and it was, how tall was the Japanese maple? Remind me again. Uh, I'd say it was about three feet. So, all right, Norm, here's the situation. She has a three-foot-high Japanese maple. Only 5 or 10% of the leaves are green. The rest of them are white. But what's going on with that Japanese maple? I would say that that's a particular cultivar. I don't know off the top of my head what cultivar it is, but there is one that does have more of a whitish leaf to it. But how will it photosynthesize? How will it ever make it, any food? Well, very limited, but they do survive. Huh. So. Again, I said, Diane, that I thought this was a chimera or a genetic something or other that's going on there, but Norm says there are white maple or light-colored maple leaves, so I'm curious to see how yours survives over the year. But I sure wish yeah. you'd keep us updated on it. I would love to know how it works during the spring and summer and fall this year. I sure will. Now, I do have a question about uh, my ginger lilies. Okay. I see that the, uh, the clump of the bulbs or whatever you call them, they're mm -hmm. starting to come up, but the middle is, well, almost rotten, I guess, because it doesn't grow from the middle anymore. The right. new shoots are coming up from the end. Would this be a good time now to divide that? The perfect afternoon for doing that, Diane. Go out with a spading fork if you have one, or shovel if you don't, and dig up real carefully the ginger rhizomes. They're called rhizomes. Those roots that spread through the ground are called rhizomes. Okay. And like you say, they, the clump will spread, and the middle of a clump usually will get sort of old and dry, and the roots will, and the, the rhizomes will look very nice. But the ones out on the edge, the new vibrant ones that just grew during the winter, they look great. They're pink on the ends. They're just ready to bust up through the soil and start you know, making leaves for your ginger plants. So right. dig it up. Take off, take, use a knife or a pair of shears to cut off the rotten ends, anything that doesn't look quite healthy on the roots, and then replant them. And they'll be vigorous all summer long. If these are the edible gingers, you can you know, harvest it a couple of times to make ginger tea and use ginger in, re in your recipes. How do I know if it's edible or not? Eat one. <laughs> oh, <sir. laughs> well, <laughs> if, if I eat one and it makes me sick, that means I won't be able to go to work this afternoon because I work at Pikes in Woodstock. Well, that'd be a problem. You have to eat it after you go for, get home from working at Pikes <laughs> this afternoon. Um, what color flower does the ginger have, Diane? It's white, and it's more of a flat-looking flower. The fragrance is wonderful. So it's likely the white butterfly ginger, which is not quite the same as the one we get in the grocery store, but I think the roots are still edible. But dig up a root, or one of the ones you dig up as you're renovating your bed now. As you uh, dig it up, you'll have a little slice. Take a slice off and taste it. And if it tastes like ginger from the stores, it's very likely the edible ginger. If it's not that strong and just sort of is bland, that's probably butterfly ginger, which is a little bit different. But either way, it's not going to kill you, I don't think. I hope my insurance man is not listening right now because I just told somebody to do something that could be dangerous. I don't think you're in any danger at all, Diane. 
Well, I trust you, Walter. Well, <laughs> my representatives will be, <laughs> will be here next week and we'll let you know who to sue. So right, we hope you that you'll much. be okay. Thanks for calling, thank Diane. Thank it's you. Six, 648 at News Talk WSV. We'll be right back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. got a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, mostly cloudy, 60% chance of rain this evening. High around 70 degrees, low of 55. Tomorrow, still a chance of showers, but tomorrow a little bit cooler. 61 degrees is a high and low 39. Get your full weekend forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Diana in Jonesboro has a question about Japanese maples, and we have the Japanese maple expert here this morning, Norm Mitleider. Hi, Diana. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Walter? You great. How can we help, Diana? Well, I have a Japanese maple that usually by this time of year, it has some buds on it. and But this year it has nothing. And I went out and scratched the bark and, and made sure it was still moist under it. It is. Um, but I'm really concerned about my tree. It's, Norm, it's like my this does yard. not sound like a good thing not to have any buds right now. No, there's there's there should be some buds starting to swell and partially opening. Um, so if you've scratched the bark and there's still green wood, it is possible that the tree is just late. It knew that it was going to have colder weather and it's decided <laughs> to hold off on opening up. Uh, but again, it just scratched the wood and if there is green wood there, then it, it should leaf. Should leaf out, but I, I okay. did you have anything, what, Diana? What when cut, the, is there anything I like cut it back or anything? No, not is right yet. Time? Not till we see what's okay. live and what's dead. Did it have any buds that were frozen during the freeze we had a couple of weeks ago? Was that possible? Nothing. I mean, there's there's nothing. Huh. Ha ha ha. And it's it's. Let's see. We've had that tree for seven years now, and every year, then by now, it's got, you know, something. Yeah, sure. Because all the ones that I've seen, all the ones that Norm cares for in Atlanta seem to have, if not fully leafed out, they've got lots of swollen buds and some half leaves, three-quarter leaves that are coming out on it. Dan, I'll tell you what, call us back in about a month and let us know what happened. I'll be really I will. Curious. I will call you back. I will we, do that. Thank you so much. We want to know. Curious minds want to know what happened to that Japanese maple. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We're broadcasting live from the 40th annual home show in Co at the Cobb Galleria. We'll be back after news.